You are listening to the Alouette's Flight Deck, a proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. All right, folks, we've been clear for takeoff. Welcome to the Alouette's Flight Deck, podcast dedicated to Montreal Alouette's football. I'm Cliffy D. You can find me on Twitter at Cliffy D. And I'm Tim Capper. You can also find me on Twitter, but at Repact. That's R-E-P-P-A-C-T. And this episode of the podcast is presented by our good friends over at SportBuff, where if you use the promo code FLIGHTDECK-10 at checkout, you will save 10% on your entire order. So head over to sportbuffshop.com. Get your new merch, use the code, and save some money. And the Alouette's Flight Deck is all over the internet. You can follow us on Twitter at Alouette's FL Deck. Find us on Instagram at Alouette's Flight Deck. Check us out on Facebook, facebook.com slash Alouette's Flight Deck pod. And make sure you head over to www.alouette'sflightdeck.ca to check out an entire archive of episodes, interviews, and so much more. And yes, you can find us on YouTube over at youtube.com slash Alouette's Flight Deck. What a couple weeks. A week. It's very rare that we have to take a week off because one of us is sick. And it would have been very funny if we would have done it last week. I would have been talking to myself. But I'm glad you're, I'm glad you're better, buddy. It's all that matters. And we're here to, here to talk football. I think a lot of people might be happy to have my big mouth shut. But uh, yeah, <laughs> Mother Nature decided that for me, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah. Well, but guess what? I'm back. Tried. I'm back and better than ever. That's right. Well, well, the jury might be out on that one. No, okay, okay. But but I digress. Yeah. Um. Hey, dude, and I just have to throw this out now. This episode, even though we are in our eighth season, by the way, this is episode one ninety. One freaking ninety. We're this close to two hundred. Oh man, I, I I don't know what we're gonna do for number two hundred because uh, I mean, for the one hundredth episode we had Ben Cahoon on, mm-hmm. and that was amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh. For episode 113, we had to have the GOAT, Anthony Calvillo. Mm-hmm. Uh, but 200, holy moly. Uh, Got to think about we'll, it. We'll, we'll, yeah, we, we got time, thankfully. But, uh, I mean, it is creeping up on us. So <laughs> you, you know, folks, that we will have something special for episode 200. You can you can guarantee that. Yeah. Uh, or, hey, send us ideas over on social. Email me at tim.capper at alouettesflightdick.ca. Or, or uh, what is your email? <laughs> it's... <laughs> It's cliffyd.pine That's at alouettesflightdeck.ca. There you go. There you go. Or just hit up on socials. Either exactly. way is fine. Exactly. Uh, great interview. Stay tuned. Uh, we were very proud and and uh, just honored to be having an extended interview with uh, Alouette's general manager, Danny Machocha. He answers some questions that we've been wondering for quite a long time, but also gives us some inside looks at, at what he's gone through over this past couple of months. And, uh, and again, just just stay tuned. You, it's something you need to listen to. Uh, but leading into that, interesting things that have occurred. <laughs> oh, my God. And now, obviously, wow. <laughs> if you're an Alowitz fan, you know exactly what's happened over the past couple of weeks. Um, but so we're not going to go into it in that much depth, but... As everybody knows, on February 14th, 2023, it was announced that the CFL was taking over ownership of the Alouettes for the second time in a couple, just a couple of years. Mm-hmm. Um, if if anybody knows and uh, you know the situation and had followed us on social, 
we teased something, Cliff. We weren't able to expound on it more, but it being this far in, uh, in the future now, we're able to actually say something about it, aren't we? Yeah, we were basically handed a news bomb, if you will, and trying to get confirmation on it. And of course, I mean, like we, we deal with the cone of silence all the time here in Montreal. And boy, if we thought we had a cone of silence before, we had it even bigger now because now a lot of people got very, very tight-lipped when they found out that uh, we knew that the CFL was going to be taking back ownership of the Alouettes and uh, hopefully new local owners will be found. Uh, so yeah, this was kind of dropped in our laps and yeah, we, and also so, by the way, Cody Fajardo, we can't forget yeah. that either. We, we were also informed before it was announced that we were going to, the Owls were going to be signing Cody Fajardo. Yeah. And this was in wake of uh, the news that came out during the CFL tamping period that uh, Trevor Harris was essentially going to peace out of Montreal and go sign a massive contract with the Saskatchewan Rough Riders mm-hmm. and taking Jake Winicky along with him. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was pretty big right there, too. And a lot of what's come out uh, and now, as you said, we it's been a couple of weeks now. So, I mean, you know, pretty much everything's come out in the wash. But essentially what it all boiled down to is the fact that because of the instability of the ownership group that was in place in Montreal with the uh, Sid Spiegel estate and Gary Stern as minority owner, mm-hmm. uh, essentially it, what it came down to was they didn't want to run a football team anymore. And as such basically handcuffed the Alouettes into not being able to negotiate with people during the free agency tampering period and also not allowing the team to sign any contracts that would involve signing bonuses. Yeah. Thus not allowing any potential of the big name free agents to stay here in Montreal. They would essentially listen to other offers and quite a few people decided that, you know what? Between the kerfuffle going on with ownership and the instability and everything else that's been going on, I'm just going to take my talents elsewhere. And as a result, we ended up losing a few of our popular and well-known players. And again, that could, that could have happened no matter what. When it, com- when it comes to free agency, anything is possible. Yeah. By that same token, the Alouettes could have signed a whole bunch of players. But because everything was just so murky, there was just no concrete answer as to what's going on. I mean, there and... Like, fans were pissed off. Fans wanted to know what the hell was going on. And there was just no answers up until free agency day. Like, the actual on actual February 14th is when it was made official that the CFL was taking back ownership of the Montreal Alouettes in hopes of finding new ownership, hopefully local. And as such, the team had reinst- or the, the league had reinstated Mario Ciccini as the interim president of the Montreal Alouettes to help oversee the day-to-day operations of the team, Mm -hmm. as well as to help facilitate any new ownership. So it's kind of bittersweet because, yes, we're happy to have Mario back kind of running the show, so to speak, even if it is on a quote-unquote interim basis. I have to believe that whatever ownership group comes on board will want to retain Mario's services, if only for someone who knows what the hell he's doing and has done it in a an exemplary job thus far Mm -hmm. in his tenure. Yeah. Uh, But I mean, fans were pissed off. Like Alouette's fans were just left confused, shocked, angry, Mm -hmm. uh, bitter. Even I, I mean, some of the vitriol I'd seen online was just so angry and discouraging and who the hell could blame them? I mean, it's so maddening to see that things have devolved to this point. I mean, this team was one game away from going to the gray cup. We thought we had this team in place. Like we, oh, it was just a matter of, okay, we've come to accept, okay, Trevor Harris, 
he's going to be the guy. Is he the future? Obviously not. Not at his age, but he's proven himself to be more than capable quarterback that could still lead this team as they decide which direction they want to go in as far as the future. Geno Lewis. I mean, you talk about generational talents. That is Eugene Lewis to a T. This is a guy, as far as I'm concerned, should have been a Montrealer for life. He should have been Alouette for life. They should have found a way to make sure that he stayed in Alouette for life full stop. That didn't happen. I mean, understandably, fans are going to be frustrated and disenfranchised with this with this organization and the fact that there's absolute radio silence from anyone from the team from the ownership group what have you even from the league like just seemed like nobody had an answer and that's the that's just aggravating that's just beyond aggravating as far as i'm concerned just to have no answers and let everybody twist in the wind the finding out now that the the team couldn't sign anybody with as if there's a signing bonus involved so i mean you've got yeah, a couple of deals were done, and that's great. There's a couple of players that are, I'm very happy were able the Elwes were able to retain. But when you're looking at the big name players, like the 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 guys that should have been a part of this team and are no longer, and it really just came down to the fact that Danny Machocha, the general manager of the Elwes, was unable to do his job because he didn't know where the money was going to come from. He didn't know if he was going to be allowed to sign these contracts. Like there was just nothing was clear. Everything was clear yeah. as mud as as. as from what we've been told. And yeah, can you blame Alouette's fans for being pissed off? Could you blame them for being upset and having absolutely no faith in this organization? I sure as hell can't. I mean... <laughs> no, it, it's very frustrating because I think we're at a point and, you know, I, it, I think to me it even goes back to, you know, uh, to 2021, you know, where the league for, you know, that and the, the whole... The whole situation with Vernon Adams, we, we you know, VA gets traded and, and think, you know, we thought he was the future. And then, you know, Trevor Harris was doing, he was doing really well for the team. And we were, we were, you know, look what we did. Look at the team was able to do with the last, you know, half of the season last year of that run that we made, you know, and, and then we lose him and then we lose our, and then also we lose our backup quarterback. I mean, we were down to one quarterback. I mean, nothing against Davis Alexander, but I, which we think he can easily become a, a, a huge star in the CFL. But we were down to one QB. And as, yep. a, as, a, as a, I find, you know, the historian that I am and, you know, the, the, the supporter that I am of the Alouettes, I just don't, I don't ever remember an Alouettes offseason where we are down to one quarterback. Yeah. No matter the where they, no matter if he was first, second, or third string, just just down to one quarterback. Yeah. And it's frustrating. Uh, frustrating. Everything that we had gained, we lost. The momentum, sorry. Everything, all the momentum, we just yeah, lost. And, and I talked about this. I mean, think about the people who, at the end of the season last year, yeah, disappointed we didn't go to the, the Elvis didn't go to the Great Cup, but still walked away feeling good about this team, uh, how far they were able to go, what they were able to accomplish. And they said, okay, yeah, th- if this is the team I'm in, I, I want to be a part of this. And yeah. they bought the season tickets. They bought the merch. They bought yeah. all that, thinking it was going to be the same in 2023. Yeah, that comeback in the second half of the Eastern Final. You know, just really yeah. just one play. One play and one penalty away, potentially, from tying that game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, you take all of that momentum. And, and at that point, and then, you know, the, bringing in Jason Mosh as the head coach, uh, getting things stabilized in that area. I mean, you this team was selling hope to their fans. They're, they were promising this team, okay, they're, they're, they're promising a good, solid, competitive team. And then it just all went to shit. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm, I'm sorry to say. I mean, they didn't renew Mario Ciccini's contract, so he left. As a result, nobody could get anything done, apparently, when it came to uh, signing players. Uh, guys were just being offered the bare minimum, and 
hope you guys, you know, will come back and play for us. Like, you know, you, you, you can't operate like that. Like the, it's what it all, what it all comes down to though, is that the fans of this team were sold a bill of goods by the ownership group, by Randy Ambrosi and by the Alouettes themselves. And it sucks. It, it, it's, it's such a slap in the face. And and you wonder and this and people wonder why you don't support the people the Delwats wonder why people don't support them. You give them nothing to support. Mm-hmm. That's that that's that's the frustrating part. It's like you 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 you're flinging poo in their face over and over again, and then you wonder why they're mad. You wonder why people get frustrated, why people are so cynical online about this team and the future, and making jokes about the Concords and 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 stuff like that. I mean, it, it's ugh, it's like no wonder people are frustrated. You, yeah, you you give them nothing. You spit in their face, and then you wonder why they're mad. I mean, don't insult people's intelligence. <laughs> and you know what? And I even said it at one point. It's like you know what? You know, you want you really want this team to understand. You really want this ownership group to understand because the only thing they understand is dollars and cents. And I even got, went so far as say, you know what? You're not happy with the way this team is run. Put a stop payment on your uh, your season tickets if if you on a payment plan. Refuse to buy merch. Refuse to support. I mean, you got to hit them in the pocketbook. And guess what? It looks like uh, Stern and Company decided. You know what? We, we don't want this anymore. We it's it's too much of a hassle. It's too much. Like we, this was supposed to be fun. It's not fun. So we're gonna take our ball and go home. And you know what? Fine, go. Sorry, you know, don't let the door hit your ass on the way out. As far as I'm concerned, the the positive bit about this is that as of late, you know, it's been reported. You know, there were, I think it was at one point there were five groups that was that that was being looked at. And and if I'm not mistaken. All, most if not all, were local or or within Quebec. And it was reported in the media just, uh, I think, about a week ago or a couple days ago that, you know, it looks like the the CFL and this group have have gone into an exclusivity period between them in buying the team. What that will equate to, we don't know, uh, because it, uh, it may have been the same way with the other groups prior to, you know, Stern and Siegel buying the buying the team a few years ago. Well, and the one thing I, I've said is I just hope that wh- whoever the ownership group or groups are, make sure they're vetted properly. Like, mm-hmm. I understand the league doesn't want to carry the Yellowwoods team into the season. I, I get that. But at the same time, look what happened the last time you went and, you know, and, and basically handed the keys to the kingdom over to someone just because they had a, a boatload of money and, you know, that raw, raw gumption to uh, to try to run a team and uh, and gather support and all that nonsense. Mm-hmm. Like, it Clearly, it didn't work. So my hope, and believe me, I, I my confidence level right now in the league and Randy Ambrosi is less than zero. <laughs> but I'm, no, I'm sorry. I mean, like, like just the, the the ham-handed handling of this, and then also to the drop the news of this on free agency date. Like, you don't think the day was busy enough as it is? You couldn't have announced this sooner. You couldn't have announced and found a way for the team. Like now all of a sudden, like now all of a sudden you can tell the, the Alouettes, Oh yeah. Now you can sign players to contracts. They'll be honored. Blah, blah, blah. You, you, you basically, as I said, you, you basically handcuffed Danny Machocha and didn't allow him to do his job until it was too late. By then the big name free agents that, you know, you, you couldn't even talk to during the tampering period. They've made their decision. The, the players like Eugene Lewis, Trevor Harris, and so on. They're like, okay, well you, you guys don't know your ass from your elbow. So bye. And that they're elsewhere now. I mean, like their minds were clearly made up. I mean, at that point, like you, you know, it, it, God. I mean, you can't fault Gino for signing with Ed, for with Edmonton for the amount of money that he did. I mean, Not in, in our least. conversation that we had a couple, you know, a couple months ago, we we knew, you know, it was 
you know, he wanted, he want, you know, as I, as I said to Gino in my, my tweet to him when he made the official announcement, I, yeah, I said, it's not goodbye. It's we'll see you later. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, yeah. what, 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 made, you know, what, he, what will he, be the he, case he, in two, he, what will be the case in two years? We don't know. We don't. And he said he wants to secure the bag, and he well, sure did. And more power to him. I'm so I proud do. of him for yeah. for doing that. Yeah. Could could the Montreal Alouettes have matched it? Possibly. Uh, we'll never know, unfortunately. And again, g- given the ham-handed way everything was handled from the league down, I certainly don't blame Gino for saying, you know what? I just don't trust any of this. Mm-hmm. I just, I just don't. I mean, I've, this is a guy who's given his all for the city for the past few years, and he's been through. You know, he he stuck by at some of the lower points of this team, but sooner or later you got to get paid, and you got to you you want to build something, and I think that's what it is. Is that he looks at what's going on in Edmonton and Chris Jones and the way he's retooling this Edmonton Elks organization, and I think he sees the guys he's going to be playing with now, and I, I have no doubt in my mind Gino is going to be excited, and he's looking to become a soup like even more of a superstar. It's just that now instead of doing it here in Montreal, he's going to go out there and do it in Edmonton. And you know what? Don't be surprised if Gino's the reason why they finally get their first home win in what I guess now it's four years. Mm-hmm. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me. I, I think the Elks have made some significant changes, and I think it's going to pay off sooner rather than later. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Um. But again, we're, we're hoping to hear some more about the Alouettes ownership, uh, whoever this new group is going to be. Uh, will Mario be involved? Um, it would, you know, I, I think fans, fans around the city know, know what Mario did for the team. So it's, it would be nice to, uh, to have him back. But we'll, I guess, again, we'll find out it'll be up to the new ownership group. And stay up to stay up to date on our socials because uh, hey if, hey if we maybe we can break something who knows who knows um, but we're talking about the players itself I mean let's look at the positives here because you know we we were able to retain even with all the sh- I, I want to use another word but I'll just call it shenanigans that occurred with the whole change of ownership and they can't spend money and blah blah blah. You gotta admit, though, dude, the what we, who we were able to retain and and sign, you know, free agents from other teams. We had that. I think we did pretty well, and this training camp's gonna be so interesting. It, it certainly will. That's for sure. I, I have to say, there there were a couple of moves that were signed, made moves that were made, I should say, and players signed that uh, I'm I'm not mad at. I'm certainly not mad at. Uh, I mean. Where do we want to start? I guess, uh, let, let's uh, let's start with who we were able to keep. All right, because I think you really have gone over the major names that we have lost in free agency. Yeah, you know, Gino, Gino, Jake, and uh, and Trevor. Yeah, uh, and no slight to the other guys who left. By the way, we would take you back guys back in a heartbeat. We really would. Um, but let, let's let's go with who we of the, of our lo- long list of free agents who we were able to extend. Uh, the the big one, as far as I'm concerned, is Walter Fletcher. Being able to retain his services, I think, is paramount. We saw what he did last year in re- in relief of uh, William Stanback when he went down to injury in week one. Mm-hmm. Uh, Fletch came in and just, you know, just put up incredible numbers. I mean, he, he played like his hair was on fire and just helped secure the running back game, as far as I'm concerned. Along with Jeshua and Antwi, the two of them were just fantastic. Like they, you know, not perfect by any stretch, but they contributed each and every game, they both put up some very solid, very respectable numbers. And then when William Stanbeck came back 
and I, I laugh. Like, initially, I called this the three-headed monster, and now it seems like everybody is starting to use that term when it comes to mm-hmm. Stanback, Fletcher, and Antwi. Is this is a three-headed monster? And it's true. I mean, we yeah. have Stanback. Yeah. I mean, we we we've known for years what this guy can do, and to have the backup of Fletcher and Antwi. I mean, I'm I'm so excited to see all three of them on the field, all healthy, all raring to go, and, and knowing that this this part of the the of the offense is taken care of. And then some definitely puts a smile on my face. I, I think retaining the services of Walter Fletcher was an absolute must do. And Yalowitz, they got it right on that one. Yeah. Uh, speaking, of, we're talking about it before, but let's talk about our who who is going to be right now at least three. Uh, you know, right now seems to be the three guys who will be uh, potentially all under center at some point in 2023. Well, uh, I mean, we, we've said his name, Cody Fajardo. Mm-hmm. Uh it's going to be interesting because uh, I actually back in December. When, by the way, uh, do we need Mon- to translate "sprinkles of Jesus" into French? Uh, that's a good question. And by the I, way, we, do we need to explain that to, to Al's fans who mm, don't know what that is? Probably because I don't know how many Al fans Al's fans listens to the uh, Pimples <laughs> podcast, which they should be because they do a fantastic work. <laughs> yes, but uh, yeah, and uh, also too, uh, uh, Cody's a big fan of uh, corn dogs, or as we call them here in Quebec, pogos. Mm-hmm. So uh, that that that'll be interesting for him, uh, and again, I, I think as he tries to endear himself to uh, Montrealers, and even uh, on his uh, social media, I posted a, a quick video of him speaking French. I mean, yes, okay, I saw you know, that too. That was amazing. Yeah, I, I listen. I mean, this this is someone who clearly is embracing. He, he's looking for a fresh start, looking to you know, like I said, his tenure in, in Saskatchewan did not end the way that he had hoped, and uh, how most people would have hoped it would have ended. But uh, you know. On, on to the next. He's now now he's a, a member of the Alouettes, and curious to see how that's going to work out. Uh, especially now that he's got Jason Moss, his uh, offensive coordinator, when they were together in Saskatchewan. Mm-hmm. Now as his head coach, uh, obviously there was a, a little bit of vetting going on there. I, I'm sure uh, Coach Moss had some input as far as uh, in speaking with uh, Danny Machocha about how he feels he would be a good fit if the opportunity came up to sign him in free agency. And lo and behold. I guess, especially with uh, Trevor Harris deciding that he's he's out of here. Uh, here comes Cody Fajardo, and uh, I guess now we'll see if that's truly the, if that was truly the case. Is the, the woes last year when it came to the Riders was the fact that the lack of an offensive line really did in Fajardo. And I'll, I'll tell you what, like this offensive line here in Montreal, the lot, just if you're just going strictly by the offensive line the last year, already a major upgrade. The fact that the Yellowettes made a couple of moves in free agency to help even further bolster that offensive line has to be giving Fajardo a lot of relief. And maybe he won't have to run for his life, as we've often suggested Fajardo must be a Spanish <laughs> word for, for <laughs> run for your freaking life. Mm-hmm. But uh, maybe now with that offensive line in front of him, maybe Fajardo will have a chance to connect with the receivers or hand off the ball to any of the three-headed monster. Who knows? Maybe this is be- between that and the offensive schemes that Jason must be coming up with. Maybe this could be end up being the best move, not just for the Alouettes, but for Fajardo as well. Yeah. So I'm I'm willing to go in with an open mind. I'm uh, I've got some trepidations. I'm not going to lie. Uh, but I think if you take a look at his overall body of work, I think Fajardo is a quarterback that put in the right environment. And let's face it, folks, he's not in that pressure cooker anymore. I mean, you go out to Saskatchewan and you got to have alligator skin to play quarterback out there. It is not meant for if you're easily rattled. It's not the place for you. I'm not saying that necessarily that Cody was easily rattled, but there were a lot of times too where I felt like he didn't present himself the best possible way out there, and maybe fans were just 
you know, they're so desperate and hungry for more championships that they just put them under, put them in a fishbowl that just maybe just became too much. Whereas here in Montreal, I'm not going to say that nobody gives a rat's ass as, as far as the quarterback position goes, because there's been so much turnover in that department. I mean, I think I, I want to believe the Alouettes fans are going to give them the benefit of the doubt and just say to him, like, just do your thing, man. Just play the game like you know how to play. Mm-hmm. And people are going to leave you alone. People are not going to bother you. People are not going to scrutinize your every single move here in Montreal. Just just go out and be the quarterback that you've shown you can be. So yeah, I, I'm going into this with some cautious optimism. I, I'm not going to say that this is the best quarterback room in the CFL, as uh, some others have may have said online. But uh, <laughs> It looks good, though, dude. I mean, hey, we, we, we lose... A you know we lose the uh, the Alouettes leader in rushing touchdowns by a quarterback and I think second or third now in league history and we gain the league's record holder for yep. you know quarterback rushing touchdowns in a season that's yeah, a pretty I think that's 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 not a bad trade you know picking up Kay, Caleb Evans is to me was a surprise but it's a it's a very nice surprise. Yeah, and I think same situation too. Like he was thrown into the fire in Ottawa when uh, I, I think it was actually interesting. Wasn't it when Dominique Davis was there? Like Dominique Davis got injured, and then Caleb Evans was kind of thrown in there with very Potent- little experience, potentially, and yeah. expect and expected to shine right up right off the hop. Like no, that takes time. I mean, and I think he'll have that time in Montreal to you know if he's if he's going to be dealing primarily with uh, short yard situations, I give him a chance to throw the ball every once in a while. Let him get a few plays in just to you know sort of get his feet wet and really get to understand the quarterback position, especially working with Anthony Calvillo. I mean, this this could be one of those uh, diamond and rough kind of players that all of a sudden, like, he finds his form here in Montreal. And, uh, like, I, I think back to uh, last year, that, that glorified preseason game against the Argos, when Dominique Davis statistically had probably the best first quarter of mm-hmm. CFL football in 2022. And the Red Blacks fans were going, where the hell was this Dominique Davis when he was with us? Like, <laughs> Yeah. Maybe that could happen too now with Caleb Evans. Is he comes to camp, comes in with the right attitude, uh, gets some great tutelage with uh, Fajardo and Anthony Calvillo as his coach. Who knows? Maybe he he finds his groove right away and surprises the hell out of everybody yet again. I mean, maybe that's it. Like maybe Montreal is where Ottawa quarterbacks come to get rehabbed and end up better for the experience. Yeah, I, I think what's funny, by the way, is Dominic Davis ends up in BC playing behind VA Vernon Adams. <laughs> It's it's 2022 all over again. <laughs> Some, something, dude. I swear. Uh, yes, we lose Gino, but we also picked up a very interesting wide receiver, a, a longtime vet, uh, you know, Greg Ellingson. Uh, I mean, just if you check out, just, yeah, I mean, it's hard, hard to He's been in the league for nine years, by the way. Um, but still, e- even at his age, if he's healthy this year. Uh, He's gonna he, he's gonna be able to help this to hopefully be that deep one of the deep threats that the Alouettes need for uh, for 2023. Mm-hmm. And the one thing I've always admired about uh, Ellingson is he's a DPI magnet. Like this guy just knows how to get uh, defensive backs you know off kilter, and they end up grabbing a hold of him, and boom, defensive pass interference, and that helps move the chains as well. I mean, Ellingson is a pro when it comes to that. So. It's going to be good to see him do that for the Alouettes as opposed to doing it for other teams and making Alouette defensive backs look foolish as a result. So, I, you know, I, I still think Ellingson, I, I was campaigning for this guy back in 2015 even. I remember even saying to Jim Pop at the general manager time, I was like, there's no chance you could sign this guy. Like, of all the 
ex-Tiger Cat receivers, you go with Sam Jaguer and not Greg Ellingson. And at the time, Pop had said to me, like, well, Ellingson costs more. I'm like, yeah, but you get what you pay for. Mm-hmm. I mean, and look what happened. Ellingson goes out and wins a couple of great cups, has himself a stellar career. Uh, yeah, he was felled by injuries last season. But uh, if, if he's back at 100% and, you know, I, I'm, I'm excited to see how he's going to match up uh, going up against the likes of a, uh, a you know, Kayon Julian Grant and uh, Tyson Philpott. Uh, He'll be, oh, and, he's going to be a great mentor too. I think. I, mean, just, I think so too. Just some of the guys that that are on the team and some of the, the young, you know some of the young guys that we have and who want to make a name for themselves. Um, uh, yeah, but, but, I, I'm, I look at this receiving core and it's like wow, it's almost all deep threats. I mean, these are all we got young guys that are like fast as lightning, uh, great hands. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ellingson, like I said, he can go deep a little bit, but even just as I said. If he gets those DPI calls, that's going to help move the chains as well. I mean, it's it's a move that, like I said, I, I would have liked this, as I said, like seven, eight years ago. But okay, better late than never. Mm-hmm. He's here now, and I'm, I'm I'm really curious to see how he fits in in this scheme here in Montreal. Yeah. By the way, I want to at least ask the question. I know we weren't able to retain him. Mind you, he didn't go anywhere. He didn't actually go anywhere in the CFL. What are your thoughts of on uh, her, on Urjemaila uh, going to the USFL? Uh, disappointing because he's a great guy. Uh, like I think he. He's a player that I think didn't get a chance to truly showcase everything he was able to here. Uh, but there were times too where like he would just pop in and out of nowhere and help move the chains with uh, an outstanding catch here and there. And now he's going to go try his luck down south, uh, maybe get the exposure. Maybe I, I mean I think an NFL contract might be a little head, a little too heady for him. But uh, if he can go and get some American eyes on him down at uh, in the USFL. Hey, more power to him, and I, you know, can't be mad at that. And in fact, quite a few. Uh, it's it's amazing. There's quite a few players that decided to go the USFL route, and even a couple went XFL too. Like, like a lot of people were expecting them to sign and stay in the CFL, but no, they're going to try their luck with the uh, the spring leads down south. Yeah, uh, and, and I know it's not Al's related, but yeah, one one big. You're talking about names. One big name was uh, Macbeth. Uh, that's definitely a, a huge name. I mean, the <laughs> cloud man. Trading in six figures for four for five, but it's family. Mention, I understood his reasoning, though. I understood his reason. Yeah, I mean, he won his Grey Cup. He he won his championship, which is what he'd been wanting to do as a journeyman quarterback who's bounced around from several different football leagues. He just wanted to win a championship, and he did that with the Argos last year. So he did what he had to do. Uh, yeah, and now now he's going to ch- have a chance to focus on his family, and he'll be a lot closer to home. And he still somehow thinks he's going to get another shot back at the NFL. Uh, Unfortunately, at his age, I just don't see it happening. But, you know, what the hell do I know? I mean, stranger things have happened. Uh, if we got quarterbacks like Tom Brady playing through four, their 45, I suppose a 34-year-old can think, I ah, still got a few years left in the tank. But uh, I don't know. I don't know. But, hey, props to MBT for doing what's best for him, doing what's best for his family. And, I mean, yeah, listen, I wish him all the best. I mean, it's, it's a bold move, I will say that. But, yeah. Uh, Hey, when it comes to football, you just never know. So, but at the end of the day, he's going to make his, he's going to do what's best for him and his family. And you can't be mad at that. And at it's possible Herg, Herg is going to be catching passes from him. What the hell? They're, cause they're on this, they've been assigned to the same team. Yep. Yep. So, yeah. Um, okay. So if we were to summarize before we get to the, as I said, the, the glorious extended interview that we had with, with uh, Danny Machocha. Um, thoughts on on the on these signings? I mean, we've had some other. I mean, Siante Evans is, the, is another huge name that we were able to pick up. Um, uh, I'm bringing back actually. Uh, yeah, yeah. 
But what are you, what are, what are your thoughts? I mean, uh, we did lose. You know, again, we lost Mike Jones. Uh, we lost Adarius Pickett. Adarius Pickett. That, that's that's a big one too. But I mean, overall, I mean, what are your what are your thoughts on um, on free agency? I mean, signing also you know re-signing Reggie White too. So I mean, but what what are your thoughts? No, I think there was a couple of moves that were made that I think will end up paying huge dividends for the Alouettes. I think the key is though you can't replace certain players and you you're better off just not trying like you're not gonna replace a Gino Lewis mm-hmm. full stop mm-hmm. you, you really can't and Greg Ellenson is not replacing Gino Lewis I mean he's probably taking his spot so to speak in the in the lineup but you're not he's not a replacement by yeah. any stretch and I'm sure even Greg Ellenson will tell you the same thing for me I think it's it's in, some of the moves I've been made are interesting and I'm again all, all it's doing is making more more excited for training camp to get started because I want to see just is this going to work? The one thing I am very happy about, though, is this O-line, which was already looking strong in 2022. I honestly think it looks a lot stronger with the additions of Justin Lawrence and uh, trading to get Jesse Gibbon. I mean, add that to the the studs we already have on this mm-hmm. offensive line. And I'm telling you, if that was truly the reason why Cody Fajardo did not have a great 2022 season was because the O-line sucked out loud. That's not going to be a problem for him in 2023. I think he's going to have more than enough time to get doing what he needs to get done. Uh, I think this this offensive line is just going to – they're already at a very high level, and I think now they're going to ascend to an even higher level. And if that means creating more lanes for the three-headed monster to run the rock, if it gives up Fajardo a chance to connect with these receivers, if it, realistically, when you look at the offense for this team, there's a lot to like. Is it perfect? No. Is it even going to work? Again, we won't know until training camp, but exactly. It, I look at this team, and yeah, there's a lot to like. There really is. There's a lot to be positive about. I'm, as I said, I'm cautiously optimistic as to how this offense works, how how it looks so far on paper. Could they win? You know, 10, 12, 14, 18 games. Again, it's way, way too soon to tell. But there's definitely some stuff to that you can take a look at and say, all right. I think this could work it, under the right schemes. And if Jason Moss has the right schemes in place, if if that's really what it came down to as far as him and Cody Fajardo working together is that they could work together. It was just a matter of just not having the right horses in front of them. I think that problem's been solved. In, in which case, then Fajardo is going to have a heck of a season as far as I'm concerned. So at least that's what that's what one could come to the conclusion to is that based on that and that alone, yeah. I, I think between that and being motivated, you know, having that kind of chip on his shoulder about how he was, how his tenure in Saskatchewan ended, you never know. It 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 definitely makes for good discussion during this off season. And as I said, it just wets the whistle for training camp. Like I want to see these guys in action now. I really want to see if this is going to work. And that's just it. Until from now until mid May, all we can do is speculate. We can just take a look at this. We can take a look at the numbers. We can take a look at YouTube clips at uh, you know previous highlights and what have you, and say, oh. Okay, I think there's something here. There could very well be something here. Mm-hmm. How's it all going to come together? Only time's going to tell. Exactly. Let us know what you guys think. Uh, let us know on social media. Let us know by emailing us. Let us know by uh, on our Facebook page. Whatever it may be, just let us know. What, what do you guys think of the current roster? Um, but as promised, we're about to... Uh, this interview was this absolute gem. We hope you like it. Uh, you know, there really isn't much more to say. Let's get right to it. Let's speak with... Alouette's General Manager, Danny Machocha. Joining us online right now is the General Manager of the Montreal Alouettes, the one, the only, Danny Machocha. Danny, thank you so much for joining us here on the Alouette's Flight Deck. Hey, thank you for having me. How are you guys doing? 
All right. Well, it's been a, a busy couple of weeks uh, for you and for the team. Uh, I mean, so much has been going on uh, with uh, free agency and uh, all the other major news that seems to be happening around this team. So it's uh, <laughs> it's, it's it's been an interesting time uh, to be an Alouettes uh, supporter. Yeah, uh, supporter or an employee of the Montreal Alouettes. So uh, interesting times. Uh, uh, there's sometimes um, there's probably other terms that come to mind at times, but interesting would definitely be one of them. I think that would be the polite way to put it would be interesting. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I was about to say, can you, can you actually come up with a time in your other time, whether it be a head coach or a G- general manager where something like this has occurred? Never, never happened. Never <laughs> happened before. And, uh, you know, and, and it was, a, it was definitely a learning experience. There's just so much to, that you can learn from, uh, from experiencing, uh, what we just went through here, uh, in the last couple of weeks, but you know, you make reference to the last couple of weeks. I probably would make reference to the last six months. Uh, in, in, in my opinion, uh, there's just been so many storylines around this football team here, uh, the last little while. So, um, um, you know, I don't know how to define, uh, normalcy anymore, but I'm looking forward to some sort or some form of normalcy here in 2023. Uh, but it has been, a it has been a, an eye opener, and it has been a little bit of an education. Everything that we've experienced, and uh, and um, and hopefully we'll be better for it. Put it this way. For sure. Um, out of curiosity, you mentioned a story. You know, obviously the many many storylines that have come out in French and English media. Do you think there was one that was very unfair to the Owls and to the Owls organization at, when that story came out? Well, I mean. I don't know if there was one that was very, that was, you know, I would deem it to be unfair. There's probably, you know, a, a few out there that, you know, obviously people are not necessarily privy about what's going on on the inside as far as the, um, you know, the day-to-day operations and everything that it entails and, and, and some of the challenges that come with it. Um, but, you know, like when I make reference to storylines, it's just, you know, even if you take a look at the ownership group, even during the course of the season, mm-hmm. there were times where, you know, you were just wondering, you know, you know, you wake up in the morning and you're reporting to one individual and by the end of the day, you're reporting to another individual. Uh, so that's stuff that's probably not out there. And uh, but it's all stuff that we had to deal with and, and try to keep the team together and um, try to feel the competitive team. And, uh, and, and, and I think for the most part, we were able to do so. And that's, that's a credit to the players. First and foremost, and also the, uh, the support staff, everybody that you know was part of that 2022 edition of the Montreal Alouettes. I mean, we really, really stuck together and saw it through. And uh, you know, as I sit here, you know, we're probably a converted touchdown away from going to a Great Cup game. So, uh, considering that we were sitting at two and six at some point in time during the course of the season, so a lot of the credit goes to the people that. Uh, that every that clearly endured um, <laughs> that uh, that whole uh, process that we were uh, that we were going through. Yeah, for sure. I mean, obviously, we we want to obviously hear what what you you and the entire crew, you and Eric Delorier and the rest of your your crew went through to get together and get all of our new free agents that you sign and and current you know current Alouettes that you were able to re up for free agency. 
we, if you don't mind, mm-hmm. Anna, we just want to, if we can, we want to just revisit a little bit. Some of the things that you may have said in, in the media when you had your, 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 I guess your, your press conference a, a couple of weeks back and talking to the French and English media. But one thing that what really stuck out to me that I wanted to see if we could get an answer on, or at least some insight on rather, is that you had mentioned that at one point, right before free agency, you were, you were told via email that you could not spend any money at that time for free agents. Now, my question to you is, did the email come from, uh, from the estate or did it come from the CFL that told you to put a kibosh on putting big money towards free agency? No, no, no. So, so the, the, the email uh, did not come just before free agency. The email came... Um, during the month of December, I would say probably late December, mm-hmm. uh, just before I went out and embarked on a three-week um, um, scouting trip, which took me to Orlando with the the Hula and the Tropic Bowl, and and then the NFLPA in Pasadena and East West in Vegas. So I would say at the end of uh, December, we were told that. We could not find players that had a financial component attached to it. Now, what does that mean? It means that I could have signed anybody I chose uh, or I would choose to sign to a contract, but as long as, long as they didn't have a signing bonus mm-hmm. attached to it. Um, and that's when I realized, well, you know, there's something going on here. And um, so I would say it was probably six weeks prior, six to seven weeks prior to the start uh, of training camp, uh, training camp, sorry, a free agency that we were told or that I was told that through an email by the estate, by the way, not by the CFL, because the CFL only took possession of the, uh, of the Montreal Alouettes um, the day free agency started or probably the night before or the day before. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that email came from, um, from the estate. Okay. All right. Cliff. Okay. Uh, now, Going through, like when it comes to you get this email from the estate saying that you you can't make any signing bonuses. At, at that point, like the, how do you go into the conversations with the potential free agents and say to them, like, listen, it, it like do you, do you tell them what's going on? Do you explain to them that we want to sign you but we can't? Like, how how do you broach it with them to try and convince them to stay in Montreal? Well, I mean, uh, you know, first and foremost, you know, we had to because it was foreign territory. It's something that no one ever experienced previously. Uh, we had to develop a strategy that I would deem, I would call it going back to my university at the University of Montreal where you're, you're recruiting players. And, uh, and that's what we did. We recruited you know, two that were obviously still on our team. And we recruited a whole bunch um, that were um, you know, on other teams when we had that week of communication. Uh, which is the week prior to the um, to uh, free agency. Uh, try to explain them the situation. Um, try to tell them that you know uh, it's a question of time before you know we get this ownership piece figured out. Um, just trust us. Just believe in us. Just hang in there. We'll have some good news for you. And um, you know, and some chose to. Uh, hang in there with us and, you know, some others rightfully so. And I understand why uh, chose to go elsewhere because they had that guarantee instead of waiting for the unknown, because I couldn't promise them that it was going to happen on free agency 
on the day of free agency or, or the day before or the day after. I just didn't know when this was all going to go down and when certain funds were going to be made available to me. And it just worked out that when it happened on, 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 on free agency, the day of free agency started, um, well, all that hard work that was put in prior to that, uh, that's when, you know, we started to just get on the phone and started to call them all up and say, okay, listen, now here's the deal. Uh, you know, we, we've got, we've got some money here, uh, you know, the, the CFL has taken it over. It's just a question of time before someone else purchases it. Uh, you know, so I'm in a better position now to, 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 to talk contract with you. And uh, and we knocked off so many that day. Uh, and I don't even remember how many we knocked off that particular day. But it was probably um, one of the longest days that I've ever experienced. Because right now is you're just, you're, you've gone from recruiting them the, the hoping that when you call them that they haven't signed elsewhere and, and if they're in the process of selling of signing elsewhere, you're still trying to recruit them and tell them why Montreal should be a destination of choice for them. So it was it was it was it was it was, it was taxing uh, mentally. Um, but you know, a lot of the credit goes to the guys in the football ops department uh, because we divvied up uh, the uh, the work. And, um, and, you know, we were able to, to land uh, quite a few of the ones that we were targeting at that point in time. And, um, and we were able to, to salvage a little bit of the situation that, uh, that, uh, that we were, um, you know, that unfortunately uh, we were a part of at that point in time. Mm-hmm. Now, a couple, a couple of the uh, big name free agents that uh, I think fans were hoping would stay with Montreal but end up going elsewhere – a lot of the reasons, like the one common denominator seemed to be that the, it was the instability within the ownership group that led them to decide to ply their trade elsewhere. I mean, on a scale of one to 10, how frustrating is it to essentially feel hand, you had to have felt handcuffed knowing that you probably wanted to keep these guys or were hoping to keep these guys for any number of reasons. But because of the situation that was put before you, you basically had to watch them leave. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously it's frustrating. I'm not I'm not saying anything that's that's um, you know that that's new. I mean, everybody. The frustration wasn't only felt by uh, someone like myself. It was just everybody in general. Everybody at the office that was uh, felt that frustration. Like you know, you sort of feel helpless. You know, what do we do? We can't even you know, we can't say anything. We can't we can't do anything. If we pick up the phone, what are we going to tell them? What are we going to tell the agent? Uh, and obviously that trickles down throughout the, your, the whole organization. And I mean, I'm not oblivious to it. Obviously the fan base must have felt the same frustration, um, you know, uh, uh, on a different scale, which, which, uh, which obviously I understand and I can relate to because when I would leave the office and I would bump into some people, um, you know, I was pretty much fielding the same question about what's going on and how we're going to be able to retain that. Uh, such as such, and you know what's going on with the football team, and how does it look, and 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 it was a just a, you know, it was just a those daily questions. We were taking them throughout, the, you know, that whole period that was fairly difficult for everybody involved. Um, but but having said that, I I knew that we would outlive it, outlast it, and it was just a question of time. Uh, but we, I also knew that they were gonna. There was probably going to be, you know, a little bit of pain involved in the process. You know, having lost a few players. Now you, you need to understand when 
when you lose some of your players to other teams, um, you know, you can start negotiating with them at the conclusion of the season. So I didn't have too much room to negotiate with them. And, uh, and the closer you get to free agency, uh, you need to understand that those dollar figures are changed and they'll probably be a little bit higher because now you're not negotiating only with the, the player and his agent, but now you're also negotiating against possibly eight other teams. So it becomes a little bit of a bidding war. Uh, and I'm not saying they would have signed with us, uh, you know, in December or maybe at the beginning of January. Uh, but if they would have, they could have possibly even have signed for a little bit less. Unfortunately, we were never given that opportunity uh, to do so. And and then the closer we got to free agency, and that's when the, um, you know, in my mind, uh, the writing was a little bit on the wall with a few of them. And, uh, and that's when I came to the conclusion, hey, chances are we're going to have to walk away from these, uh, you know, three or four individuals. And now the question is internally, oh, you know, how are we going to counter, uh, you know, counteract all of this, you know, and how are we going to go about, uh, you know, replacing some of these uh, assets that are, that are moving on. And like I said, for the most part, I think well, we did an, we did an okay job. And I, I agree to And just out of curiosity, Denny, for, for a fan who would say to you, well, you know, we understand that you had constraints on, on what you could spend towards X player. Doesn't, the doesn't the TSN money coming to the team essentially pay for uh, a team's uh, payroll for that particular season? I mean, what what would you could you explain any of that to a fan who may say that to you? Just if if there was a a, mis- a misunderstanding about what you can and can't do with the, with the money that comes from say TSN. Well, you need to understand. Anytime we sign off, anytime I sign a player, uh, it's got to be approved. By um, by a team president, okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, in my case, I didn't have one. No. Okay. Uh, so when he no longer was there, well, then it's got to be approved by people above him, uh, and that's where it stalled. So TSN mm-hmm. money or no TSN money, they don't have to spend it if they choose not to spend it. Mm-hmm. Uh, what was the was the was the money there? Possibly, yeah. It, it possibly was there, um, but. If they're, if they're not going to sign off on a contract that's got a financial component of being the signing bonus, it doesn't matter where that money comes from. Right. You need that authority before you can actually pay it out. I don't have uh, the authority, no general manager has the authority to, to, to single-handedly uh, sign off on a contract without, you know, without the powers to be that are going to sign off with you. No, it makes sense. That that makes that makes a ton of sense, actually. Um, yeah, Cliff. Wait. Okay, now let's talk about the the players. Uh, for example, uh, Trevor Harris goes to Saskatchewan, uh, signs a fantastic deal. Uh, at what point did you figure out? Like, obviously, you said the plan was to get Cody Fajardo as a result, sort of to replace Trevor Harris. At what point did it become evident that? Trevor was not going to stay around in Montreal and that you had to go out and get Cody Fajardo. Listen, as soon as I knew that I was not able to find anybody, I knew that we were in a little bit of trouble uh, and I needed a plan. And, and, and we collectively at the office were able to put a plan in place where I give an example, you know, I would say at the beginning of January, I watched probably all of Cody's games going back to 19, uh, 2019, 2021, and 2022, I watched every single snap, every single throw. Uh, 
Um, and, and we did the same exercise with a few other players. So I would say early in the year, the new year, uh, I knew that I needed to have a contingency plan because this was a possibility that this could happen, okay, with, with Trevor Harris. And I did the exercise with, uh, with a couple of quarterbacks, you know, uh, uh, and a couple of other players at other positions knowing full well that this was a possibility. So even when we knew we were probably in a little bit of a state of paralysis where, you know, you couldn't move, you couldn't, you couldn't sign anybody, we were still watching a lot of film and drawing up, you know, a, a, uh, an opinion or a conclusion on some of the players that we anticipated would still be available at free agency. And, uh, and if they were, uh, then we needed to have a plan in place on how we were going to, you know, how we were going to uh, approach them. And, uh, and, um, and we were able to do so. Uh, during those, that month, I would say four to five weeks prior to the sort of free agency, we knew exactly who we wanted to target. Did we get them all? No, we we got a few of them, including Cody. And uh, but as far as Cody's concerned, I think it was like about it was three years worth of snaps that we watched. And then obviously we also know that you know his former offensive coordinator is our head coach now, so he was involved, uh, you know, in the conversation. Um, and, um, and we came to the conclusion that he's probably, you know, our best fit for what we're trying to do, uh, offensively this year, um, with the identity that we're trying to create here in 2023. Okay. Uh, would it be a fair statement to say that the plan really was to retain Trevor Harris and the being able to add a Cody Fajardo just ended up being a like just a perfect, uh, I don't want to say substitution necessarily, but maybe plan B might be the best way to put it. Well, I'm not, I wouldn't call it a plan B. I'm a big Cody Fajardo fan. You know, I don't think what happened last year uh, is a true reflection of who he is as a quarterback. Okay. And I told him this over the phone, not one year that's going to define you as a quarterback. Uh, and I, and I said, if I felt that way, then I wouldn't have hired, you know, your former offensive coordinator as a, as um, as our head coach, I look at the body of work. All right, so I look at his body of work. You know, I mean, he's won. He's won a lot of games. I mean, he's probably one throw away. I mean, he hits an upright. If he makes that throw in that end zone, chances are he's going he's going off to a great cup game here. You know, a, a couple of years back, uh, last year, you know, they suffered uh, so many injuries. They had some issues, obviously, with the with the Marino saga that went on. They had COVID issues. Uh, uh, they had issues with their offensive line. They gave up 76, 77, 78 sacks. He played with a torn MCL. Um, and I understand that that's a position that the spotlight's on and, and uh, it's, a, it's a position that requires, uh, you know, a certain amount of leadership. And, uh, and um, you know, he, he got challenged. He got challenged. It wasn't easy for him. And he played through a lot of that stuff. Uh, but I also remember the Cardio Fajardo that went, you know, nine and five in, in, in 2021, or the one that went 13 and five in, in 2019. And he's almost 30. I mean, he's not 34, he's not 35, he's not 36. Uh, he's all of 30. We still think he's got a lot of football in him. He can definitely make things happen when he gets flushed out of the pocket. Uh, and, he, and he can extend plays with his feet. Um, and had we not signed Trevor early, 
uh, or at the conclusion of the year, maybe the, you know, maybe a few weeks, you know, you know, removed from when we played our last game and we were to gotten to free agency, and that type of money would have been on the table from Saskatchewan. I don't know if we would have signed him. It would have been tough for us to sign him uh, at that amount of money. Is he is he is he deserving? Absolutely. But you know, you're dealing with a salary cap, and you got to try to manage with the best team possible on the uh, on the football field, and you got to make sure that you've got some elements around them that you know obviously they're going to be able to produce, and they're going to give you an an opportunity to be um, you know to win football games because you're not going to be able to win them single-handedly. So I wouldn't call it a plan B. I would just say it's something that just worked out because of circumstances. But even if we had an ownership group, even if things would have worked out, uh, we were we were going to give we were going to grade all the quarterbacks that were free agents and and give them a grade because we never know how things are going to evolve with uh, in a negotiation with an agent or with the player, and you need to have a another plan in place if, uh, if for, for whatever reason uh, you're not able to come to an agreement with your uh, with your starting quarterback. Now, obviously, Alouette fans are just ecstatic with the wide receivers that you were able to retain and are coming back uh, in 2023. But you're also, despite our losses, you were also able to bring in a huge name uh, at wide receiver in Greg Ellingson, a longtime CFL veteran. Um, what should these, if people haven't watched him, you know, obviously, because some fans may not, will have watched Winnipeg games as an example. What, what should fans look forward to when they see Greg Ellingson on the field next year? Well, I mean, Greg uh, Ellingson can play. He can play uh, the slot position. He can play as a, as a wideout. He can play to the field. He can play to the boundary. He's been a part of Jason Moss's uh, offenses in the past. Uh, um, I think it was in Ottawa, if I'm not mistaken, and then in Edmonton, uh, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, so there's a there's a history there. There's a rapport there. Um, you know, I mean, he's a he's a true bonafide receiver. I mean, he played eight games last year, um, eight or nine games, nine games, if I'm not mistaken. And he had already accumulated about just a, just a shade under 700 yards. So he was on pace for about, you know, 14, 1500 yards. Um, so if he's healthy, um, which we anticipate that he'll come into camp and because he does a good job of taking care of his body and, and, uh, and he's out there with some of our younger receivers, with like Phil Pop and Julian Grant. Um, you know, I think I think we're going to be okay. Um, we got Speaker that's back, uh, and I'm probably going to go to training camp with more receivers than I've ever gone to training camp with, because we got to find two or three others. Uh, and right now, um, you know, we've signed quite a few. Uh, we're still targeting a couple of more here in the next little while. And we want to create the competition where you know we're going to be able to to um, you know to to identify the next uh, uh, the next uh, maybe Gino Lewis or Wenicky and and let's not forget you know you know we also found Reggie White a couple of years ago now mm-hmm. he'll be back now he's coming off an injury he may miss a few games but we're looking forward to having him in the lineup at some point in time so going going younger and trying to get some stability there over the next couple of years that's the course that we've uh, we've chosen. And, um, you know, if I'm a fan, that's one area that I'm, I'm going to, you know, keep an eye on and um, well, with anticipation just to see 
who's gonna who's gonna get out of who's gonna come out of that group? Who's gonna be those two or three guys that you know that maybe nobody knew about? No different than Reggie White a couple of years ago, that, and that are gonna be able to make a name for themselves uh, with the upcoming season. Yeah, for sure. And by the way, since since you uh, since you said it, Danny, at least I have to at least try to get an answer out of you. Do you know where camp is going to be held in twenty twenty three? Oh, that's a good question. We're still working on whether we're going to have it in Montreal or maybe um, you know take it back out. Uh, you know, the Three Rivers is, is definitely an option again. Uh, but this is all going to be determined with the new ownership group, mm-hmm. which we're hoping. Uh, you know, we're going to learn a little bit more here in the next little while. But uh, obviously, we need an answer because uh, you just don't book camp the week before you go. You know, there's a lot of work <laughs> no. that goes with uh, with training camp. So we're hoping that uh, this ownership piece gets resolved, so we can determine where we're going to where we're going to uh, where training camp will be held. Okay, Cliff. Uh, obviously, the rehiring, if you will, by the league of Mario Caccini has, I think, put a lot of fans' minds at ease as far as with the all the instability that's going on with the team, knowing that Mario is back sort of overseeing things, even if it is technically on an interim basis. Uh, for you, though, how, like, how is important is it to have him back in the fold as uh, now the league owns the Alouettes? That's huge for someone like me. I mean, everybody knows how I feel about Mario. I mean, we've got, I don't know if there's another um, team that has the president and a GM that have the relationship that uh, Mario and I have. I mean, it's it's as strong as you can possibly imagine. Uh, we're definitely aligned on, on so many different things. Um, he's, a, he's a huge asset that, uh, you know, to, to, to what we've been able to do here over a short period of time. And, um, you know, he's a great sounding board for someone like myself and, and, um, you know, not having him around. And it was a short period of time. It was about five, week, five six weeks that I did not have him around when they chose not to renew his contract. But it felt like an eternity for someone like myself because, um, because of that relationship. Um, so, I mean, I'm, I'm very happy I'm, that he's back. Uh, I know that he's carrying the interim tag as we speak. Um, I don't know what the future holds um, for Mario, um, but um, listen, I mean, if I can get an opportunity to do this again with Mario for a number of years, I mean, I'll sign off on it, uh, you know, right now. If uh, for some strange reason uh, it doesn't work out that way, um, you know, our relationship will still remain intact and, it'll, and uh, you know, I'm going to wish him the best and uh, throughout this whole uh, process. You know, even though we were colleagues, um, more importantly, uh, I think today um, I'm proud to call him a friend. So it's uh, it's definitely been a um, a win-win situation for me. But I'm hoping that you know this relationship can uh, remain intact uh, for the uh, for the next few years. So we'll see we'll see what the future has in store for both of us. And I think Cliff, I think I can speak for Cliff uh, easily, um, is that. Way we think of Mario as a part of an integral part of the team, also like yourself, like Delore, like you know your entire ops team. He's an integral part because he is he's able to represent 
the team when you yourself cannot in certain situations. And he's he, it's he's a perfect fit, and I agree with you. I do hope he he loses the interim tag, and I hope he is back for for many many years to come. I agree with you there, Danny. Yeah, hopefully that'll be the case. Yeah. You didn't steal his office while he was gone, did you? <laughs> You know something? I uh, I made sure this, uh, and it's 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 interesting that you mentioned that. I made sure, and nobody occupied that office. No one, um, because I I felt uh, at least, or you know, sometimes I was wondering if I was just living a lie, but I felt deep down in my heart that it was a question of time before he would come back, and um, and. Uh, yeah, I just made sure that nobody moved into that office. I said, and I and I made it crystal clear around the office. I said, this this door will this office will remain locked until uh, until further notice. You know, and we're gonna, uh, we didn't we didn't want anybody to move in there just because you know anybody could have had their own office or whatever the case may be. Um, that's how I think everybody felt about Mario. We just wanted to see how it was going to play itself out, and. Um, but we did obviously uh, needle him a little bit. We were giving him the gears when he got back, telling him to get to work. And he, and he owed us quite a few hours. And, you know, yeah, he, he was away for about a month and a half. So we well, had a good time with him. Well, we'll just call it a vacation. That's all. It's just a five-week <laughs> vacation. An extended vacation. Exactly. So, so are you saying, Danny, that you kept his nameplate nice and safe and then you just handed it back to him when he came back in the office? Well, you know, I mean, he ended up cleaning up his his office, and I was I would tell I was telling him, you don't need to just leave your stuff here. No one's going to walk in here. <laughs> and I said, at some point in time, you just come back and you'll find it the way you left it. But so he took everything with him, um, and he hasn't really brought any of it back now as we speak uh, because of the interim tag. And uh, so, you know, hopefully, uh, hopefully that nameplate and some of the pictures that he has of his beautiful family. We'll be, uh, you know, we'll be front and center here in the next little while. We'll see. Yeah, and uh, Denny, I know you as as a being a, a one hell of a hardworking man when it comes to football and how dedicated you are to the sport and and, and obviously to whether it be with you at UDM or, or here with the Alouettes. Obviously, hearing you just hearing uh, during your interview with the uh, with the media that you were, I think I'm paraphrasing, you were this close. To potentially just walking away, how frustrating for you as a career football guy must it have been for you to to literally have that thought, even if it was for just a a split second? Well, I mean, obviously it was frustrating just because of everything that we went through, and like I said, there's a lot of stuff that 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 you know that we've experienced that's not out there, mm-hmm. and that chances are will never be made public. And that's the way it should be. Um, you know, uh, stuff that happens internally, you want to keep it in-house and you want to deal with it. Uh, and then, the, you know, the end of the season comes and then you know, all this talk with the ownership group and, and you know, you feel a little bit, you feel, I don't feel helpless. I, I felt totally helpless going to the office and trying to figure out, you know, trying to project how, you know, moving forward what we're going to look like in 2023. And, and, um, and, it, and, and, it, and it came at a time where, you know, I was doing some traveling. Um, you know, you know, I've got, I've got a, obviously a network of people that I that I deal with south of the border, and there were, I would say, there were two 
there was at least one very interesting opportunity that that did come up um and it had me thinking and i did say i had me thinking for 30 seconds but i thought about it for more than 30 seconds to the point where i you know i had a discussion with my wife and you know we talked about it in detail and and it did entail moving and um and um and um and and, and I spoke to I spoke to Mario about it too, even while he wasn't there, and uh, and that's why I make reference to Mario as being uh, you know a little bit of a sounding board to me, and and I, and I talked to him about some of the frustrations of the opportunity, uh, not knowing what lays ahead here. Mm-hmm. Uh, we talked about it in detail, and that's and I came to the conclusion, and this is no different than when I was at the University of Montreal, had an opportunity to be a head coach back in the CFL in 2014, if I'm not mistaken. And I chose not to do it. Instead, the University of Montreal we ended up winning a national championship. Uh, to me, this is uh, this is the, the job for me as as we speak, and this is where I want to be. I want to be in you know, in, I want to be in my back, my own backyard here. I want to share the, the, this this experience with uh, with my family. Um, you know, experience it with them, go through it with them, and try to bring a championship back to Montreal. If you look about my coaching career, I've been really, really, really fortunate and blessed and, and surrounded myself with some pretty good people. Everywhere I've been, I've won a championship except one place, mm-hmm. and that's Montreal. Uh, we lost a great cup here in, 20, in, in 2000 to the BC Lions in Calgary. Uh, so there's a little bit of unfinished business for me here, uh, and I, and I want to see us do well. And um, and part of my leg, I think, uh, part of my legacy will also be to leave it on a better state than I found it in, and uh, and that's important for me. I mean, I'm going to be 56 this year, uh, guys. I'm working on the back nine of that, you know, and I can <laughs> possibly. I start. I'm starting to see the clubhouse, you know. So I've only got so many more quality years in me, and I just want to enjoy them here uh, in my own backyard with my family. Um, for as long as I can with the Montreal Alouettes, and uh, and and um, and that's how I feel about this this organization. So that I come close, yeah, I, I would say I came close. Do I uh, do I regret not jumping on another opportunity? Absolutely not. Zero. This is this is where I want to be, and and hopefully I can make it work out. Well, before you get to the clubhouse, we got some cold beverages for you too, Danny, right here. So don't worry about <laughs> that. We got those. We got those all ready for you. <laughs> all right, all right. I'm all in. <laughs> uh, yesterday, you had announced uh, some new coaches joining the Alouettes to help flesh out the uh, the coaching staff. Uh, talk to us about uh, bringing in guys like uh, Corvey Irvin and Tyrell Sutton, former Alouettes, who now get a chance to lend their experience of not just being Alouette players, but now they have a chance to be, you know, now they have a chance to impart their wisdom as coaches on this team. Well, I'm excited about some of the names that, uh, that coach Moss decided to, to bring on board. And I mean, the fact that they have ties to the city, the fact that they have ties to this football team, they, they know, you know, uh, who, you know, what we're all about. Uh, that excites me. And at the same time, he was able to keep the nucleus, of our staff in place and add a few uh, new additions. Uh, this coaching staff has got a little bit of everything. It's got a few former players. Uh, it's got some. Uh, it's got some young and up and comers. It's got some whiskers, uh, some older established uh, um, coaches. You know, veteran coaches that 
you know, they've had their share of success in this league. So I think I love the dynamics. I love the, um, you know, what, what everybody's going to be able to bring to the table. Uh, it's a bigger staff than we've had here uh, uh, last year or even the previous year. Um, and, and I think everybody's going to bring uh, some value add. And, and I know that they've been meeting here for the last little while. Um, I think they, they go, I think, about four times a week, if I'm not mistaken, and they meet virtually. And, um, and I know they're going to be in town, and I think in the next couple of weeks, they're going to spend a week out here. Uh, so I'm looking forward to, to seeing them all together. And, you know, we're going to have some, you know, we're going to have some interesting and long days here in the next couple of weeks before they head back. And then obviously we have the combine and a few other things that lay up ahead. But, um, no, I love it. I love the stuff. Like I said, there's a little bit of everything on the stuff. And, uh, and I think, um, it's exactly, um, what we need here, uh, this year. Okay. So this was, these were coach, coach Moss's hires, not yours. No, they're, they're not. And <laughs> I always, I always get a chuckle with all of this as far as you know, people think that they're my hires. They're not my hires. They're his hires. But like any other place, any other coach, I'll tell you, uh, you know, the GM has to sign off, the president has to sign off, and the ownership group has to sign off. Um, but ultimately, uh, you know, if he feels good about it, you know, we're we're gonna we're gonna definitely sign off on it. Except obviously, he's got a checkered past. Well, you know, even though you may want him, it's just not gonna happen because we don't want to bring that guy into our community, into our football team, into our locker room. So, uh, but. Uh, there was a hundred percent consensus on all of these uh, on all of these hirings, and um, and and Jason uh, hired every hired and actually interviewed and hired every single one of them. All right, that's fantastic. That's that's what we want to hear. And as, as you said, like, these are guys that uh, are part of the community already, and now they get a chance to lead hopefully the next generation of Alouettes. So this is definitely exciting times for us. Yeah, I would, I would, I would say so. Like I said, you've got a little bit of everything on the staff, and that's what, uh, that's what it, uh, excites me, intrigues me. And I'm all about also continuity, having a contingency plan. You know, uh, uh, good organizations, um, you know, good companies have a contingency plan as far as you know who is the next president, who is the next general manager, who is the next director of player personnel, who is the next special teams coach, who is the next coordinator, who is potentially the next head coach. And if you can develop them within your organization, that's what I deem a successful organization. Uh, and, um, and I'm a firm believer in that. So hopefully, you know, we can do that here in the next, in the next few years that, you know, we don't constantly have to go looking elsewhere uh, to fill a spot or two, knowing full well that we've got some people from within that are qualified and that all they're looking for is an opportunity. Okay. All right. Uh, just uh, sort of to wrap this up, um, as far as you're concerned, are you happy with the team, how it sits as far as uh, adding potential players or are you still looking to tweak a couple of areas or just waiting to see how the combine and draft goes? Like what's kind of the, like the next couple of weeks, how, how are you looking at things as far as from a general manager's perspective? Well, for the people that know me, they know that I'm never happy <laughs> with uh, with 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 uh, you know uh, with uh, yeah, not, not that I'm not happy with the football team, but you're always looking to get better. Like we'll we'll go in tomorrow 
and we're still going to try to target a few people that we'd like to get. Are we going to get them in the next couple of weeks? I don't know. We may have to wait till after the NFL draft. I give an example when they're still going to be on the street and then they're going to decide, hey, you know, you know, this is maybe an opportunity that we should explore and go up north and play for the Montreal Alouettes because their, neg- their negotiation rights belong to us. So, I mean, we're constantly working. We're constantly trying to get better. Um, we've got our, I think we've got a, our nucleus of players that we've identified uh, that are, that are going to come to camp. But I would say we're probably another, I would say between five and eight more players, uh, probably eight more players how they, that we would add between now and the end of training, uh, between now and at the end of um, the NFL draft. So at the end of April, that we'd like to target and have them come to Montreal. And those eight, that's excluding the uh, CFL draft. So the CFL draft, that's, 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 that's a totally different piece. But if we can, um, if we can find maybe a couple of more receivers, looking for maybe a couple of more defensive backs, you know, another rush end, another interior defensive tackle, uh, another offensive tackle. I mean, um, uh, our, our offensive backfield, our running backs, I think we're quite solid. I think we have a, Pretty good group there. Uh, quarterback, you know, we're up to four with the signing of uh, my class today. So, uh, will we bring a fifth arm? I don't know. Probably we'll only go with four. But if, if it's one guy that's on our neg list that comes available, we'll probably bring a fifth. But so we're looking at a, about another seven to eight players plus, you know, the, the CFL draft. And then that should get us to our quota of number of bodies that we can go to training camp with. Wow. So essentially, a general manager's work is never done. <laughs> no, because you're not only planning for 23. What people don't realize is that you're planning for 24. Because uh, you know who's under under contract till 24. You know who's coming up uh, at the end of the year. Age is going to be a factor. Injuries are going to be a factor. Salaries are going to be a factor. So we have to put a, pl- a plan in place. And that's why we go to East-West. That's why we go to the NFLPA. That's why we go to Tropic Bowl, the CGS, and the, the who. These are players that are not necessarily going to be in Montreal in 2023, but could be here in 2024 or 25. So you constantly have to, you know, look ahead, knowing full well that you need to address today. You want to have a competitive team. You want to have a, you know, a team that's going to, you know, hopefully compete for a championship. I know in full well that there's going to be changes at the end of that year too, and you got to make sure that you've got answers in place to, uh, you know, to, to basically to fill up those cupboards again with with players that are going to give you the same opportunity to potentially win another championship. By the way, this is just is kind of an aside, Danny, because it's something I wanted to ask you earlier, but I don't know if you'll be able to answer it. Obviously, with the, the new CBA this year, seven-year CBA, it's added some interesting wrinkles that you should be able, all general managers can have uh, could take advantage of without obviously naming names we know of one was there more than more than one alouette that you guys uh, negotiated uh, guaranteed money to just out of curiosity uh guaranteed money meaning like it like like in a third year yeah 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 that type of thing well it's 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 usually you could only offer guaranteed money to a player that's been in your program for two years okay so, uh, so in our case, uh, we gave guaranteed money to two players. Okay. Yeah, two players. That's that, that's what we were able 
to do. Um, but they have to be in your program for the last two years. So if they've been on one-year contracts, you can't give them guaranteed money. If you go get them from another team and you bring them into your program, you cannot give them guaranteed money. They actually have to be in your program for two years. So if you sign a free agent for two years, well, the next contract that you do, then you can possibly start talking guaranteed money. But you have to be very strategic with guaranteed money. Oh, for that's sure. that's money that's going to count on the cap. Uh, so you better make sure that you're able to envision that he'll be a part of your football team for the next two years. So whenever I do stuff like that, or before I sign someone, you know, I'll talk to the coaches and I'll make sure that if we're going to do this, uh, it's because we envision that he'll be here uh, for the next two years. And where that's good from a fan perspective is that you can continue identifying with mm-hmm. some of these guys that are coming in and they're going to stick around for a few years instead of being uh, what I call them one and done. Yeah, and, and thanks for the clarification, Danny, because with obviously with this the finalized CBA not being available to the general public, having you to be able to give us that, that tidbit on that inside look at the CBA and what you're able to use, I, I really appreciate it because it's something I didn't know. Oh, it's my pleasure. It's my pleasure because, uh, and it's all about educating, you know, the fan because, you know, we talk about guaranteed contracts, but, you know, what is guaranteed? And don't forget, you can only guarantee up to 50% of the contract. You can't guarantee the whole contract. Mm-hmm. And uh, so it's up to 50%. So you can go from, you know, from 5 10% all the way up to 50 Okay. So that's the maximum you can guarantee. Yep. Okay, good, good, good to know. Cliff. All right. Well, Danny, we definitely appreciate you joining us for this. Um, I guess to sort of uh, take us home, I guess uh, I, I know – Fans were worried about everything that's been going on up until free agency. I think things have gotten a little bit more clear now. I mean, despite not knowing who the next owner of the Alouettes are. Uh, what else could you say to your average fan right now that's still a little hurt by what's gone on, but just sort of to help reassure them that things are on the right track? Well, first, I appreciate their support. Um, I feel their pain. Uh, I can tell you that I uh, I was experiencing it with them throughout this whole ordeal, uh, and I'm sure you guys noticed. I just went quiet uh, and, and avoided making any statements uh, um, publicly, uh, just because there was nothing we can do. First and secondly, I just wanted to make sure that we had a contingency plan in place. When when things were going to be uh, a little bit clearer for us, um, I think 2023 is going to be an interesting year. This is going to be a pretty good football team. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see how quickly we can come together. Um, and if we come together the way I think we will, uh, I think this team potentially could surprise uh, some people. Um, and yes, we did lose. Uh, some, some, you know, some major pieces, but I'm also of the opinion that you have to embrace change because change is inevitable. It's just a question of time before, you know, you're going to have to deal with it. You're going to have to address it. Uh, did we think that we would have to address all these changes uh, in 2023? Uh, no, but we knew there were going to be some. Uh, so chances are we were dealt, a, you know, probably a little bit of a shitty hand in the sense that. You know, we probably had to uh, deal with many more changes than we than we wanted to. But um, sometimes that's not all bad. There's going to be some opportunities that are going to present themselves 
for some young players, and we're hoping that they're going to cash in on it. Uh, you know, we still, and I think a look at our football team, our offensive line, I think, has gotten better. You look at our Canadian content, we're much deeper there. Our, our, uh, our running backs, I mean, those are pretty good backs that we've got there at Standback and, and Fletcher and Atwee and, 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 uh, and Rose. Uh, and I think we've got Howard also on the contract. Our quarterback situation, um, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm a big fan of Cody. Uh, you know, Evans is going to be a short yard specialist. Yeah, I think he had 15, 16 touchdowns last year. And, um, and Davis Alexander is, could be the future of the Montreal Alouettes. We'll see how he evolves here in the next little while. The receiving core, yes, we are a little bit younger. We'll see how that, um, you know, how that comes about during training camp. I think our D-line is still going to be active. I like our linebacking core with the addition of, uh, of Williams at the, in the middle. And our, our, our secondary is probably better. Our secondary is probably better. Our kicking game is pretty solid. We have a returner back. So, you know, I, I think we're going to be okay. I think we're going to be okay. We're going to be young at a couple of positions, but sometimes that's not all. That's not all bad because those guys are going to go at 100 miles an hour, and and even when they're going to make mistakes, they're going to make them at 100 miles an hour. And when you make mistakes at 100 miles an hour, sometimes good things happen. So we'll see how it all unfolds. But uh, you know, um, I, I'm excited. I'm excited. I'm excited about going to training camp. I want to see exactly, you know, what kind of football team we're going to have when all is said and done after those two preseason games. And, uh, and uh, I would tell our fan base to, to come out and check it out and, uh, and um, you know, and they'll come to their own conclusions. Well said. Uh, well, since we're talking about change, Danny, uh, can't help but notice your Twitter name is still DMAC coach. Is there any plans to change it to DMAC GM? <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know, I didn't even pick that. That's, that's, that's my, that, those are, that was my, uh, my, I think it was my youngest uh, when I was at the University of Montreal, and I try to discourage them not to be too active on social media. I know that I've cut back significantly, but yeah, it's a thought. Yeah, DMAC, GM, there you go. There's a thought. But people still, people still call me coach, uh, and I, you know, I mean, the bulk of my uh, of my work has been as a coach. So um, chances are, even if I do change it, they'll still call me coach. It's, it's like being a chef, right? They, they still call you chef no matter what. So, <laughs> exactly, exactly. Actually, if, 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 could be called, called worse. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> actually, if anything, Cliff, he should just add an A to the end of it, and he would be D Macchocha. Ah, Macchocha. There you go. Ah? There you go. Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah. okay. <laughs> there's an idea now. There's an idea. There you go. If I share that, that it'll, be, it'll probably get done by the end of the evening. <laughs> <laughs> All you got to do is add the letter A. <laughs> That's right. That's right. There's an idea. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Good. Well, Danny, thank you so much for joining us on the flight deck this evening. Uh, we definitely appreciate it. We're mm-hmm. definitely looking forward to seeing. Uh, you at training camp yeah. and uh, seeing how all of this unfolds when it's all said and done. We're definitely excited to see how this team is going to come together. And uh, again, we wish you all the success for the rest of this off season and uh, going into camp. Yeah. Well, listen, I'm looking forward to seeing you guys at camp. Looking forward to seeing a lot of Alouette uh, fans come out to training camp and seeing them at the stadium. And, um, and uh, I'm hoping we can make them all proud. How does that sound? 
Well, again, I, I joked on social media, Cliff, well worth the wait, uh, the extra week. We did have him scheduled for last week, but obviously with uh, with you getting sick, we had to push it. When you know, Thanks for the Alouettes uh, organization for allowing us to, to do that, and for Danny Mac also. Um, so much information that we wanted to find out. He was, you know, being able to give us some tidbits on the on the on the collective bargaining and how that works with with uh, you know guaranteed money and and just so much information um, from from that from that glorious forty plus minute interview. Mm-hmm. And I, I think what really came through more than anything else is you could sense the frustration that Danny was going through, and he sensed it from all of us as well. Like he sensed it from Alouette's Nation that mm-hmm. hey. What the hell's going on? Like, why why can't we do anything? And he's wondering, why can't I do anything? Like, it's a tough situation. Like, I mean, it's it's essentially a no-win situation, too, because, you know, you take a look at what happened. But uh, the fact that he had a plan, he had a contingency plan, he said, okay, I'm not going to let this get to me. I'm going to do what I do best, and that's, you know, find the talent and sign the talent. And for the most part, I, as he said, he, he thinks he did an okay job and I'm inclined to agree with him. I think, uh, you know, we, we won't know until training camp goes folks. I mean, that's really what it comes down to is we've got to see how this uh, signing all these players and seeing how they come together in camp on the field and so forth. And I gotta say, I, I'm so, so pleased that we were able to speak with Danny Machocha and get his insights on this. And, uh, you know, folks, I think we, I think we learned quite a bit in this interview. Oh yeah. Yeah. I, I 100%, 100%. Um, the last, the, the big news of the week that came from the Alouettes is the Owls have finalized their coaching staff and we, and I know you and I talked about this, uh, in our pregame meet, uh, pre-show meeting. Uh, but I, I honestly did not see one of our new coaches coming to the Owls, but you just had that inkling that that we were going to get somehow Sutton, you know, Sutty back as a, as one of our coaches. And show enough, it was announced that, you know, Tyrell Sutton has joined the Alouettes as a running backs coach. And th- that's just, that's really, really cool. I mean, it just, it, it's interesting to see all these players, uh, former players come back and, and be, and be coaches on the team. Yeah. And that's, that's one thing with the Alouettes is if you're a beloved figure here, they will find a spot for you. They will find you a home here in Montreal. And you see, I mean, already, I mean, you've got Anthony Calvio as the OC slash quarterback coach. You've got Luc Brodeur-Jodin as the offensive line coach. I, I mean, it just makes sense. I mean, like, if you've got someone that's dedicated to the craft as Tyrell Sutton was, I mean, we saw him as a, a player and played absolutely fantastic football. He, he really put in his time here in Montreal uh, so much. So he's loved the city so much that he decided to stay here year round and, you know, started a family here. Mm-hmm. And now he is pretty much a Montrealer for all intents and purposes. Uh, so I'm just beyond excited to see him here. And it was kind of funny when Andre uh, Bolduc, the former running back coach decided that he wanted to pursue opportunities elsewhere. I kind of jokingly said to study like, dude, get your resume ready because uh, all of a sudden Montreal needs a running back coach. He's like, yeah, that's not a bad idea. And then lo and behold, what's hired Tyrell Sutton as running back coach? Like, <laughs> yeah, because we saw Sutton twice last year on the post game on the field, so it was it's yeah. it's 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 pretty fitting, dude. It really is. Yeah, I, I'm I'm so happy for him. Like, this is someone that you could tell wants to still be a part of the city wants to be a part of this organization again. And here he is now at running back coach. I mean, and what a treat for him. I mean, 
for him to be able to coach William Stanback, Walter Fletcher, and Jeshua Antwi, he's got to be foaming at the mouth with excitement. He's got to be just so jacked. Like he too probably was like, "Is it junior? Can we get to camp now, please? Can we get going now?" <laughs> you can just tell with study. Like that's just that's just his attitude, right? He he wears his heart on his sleeve. He's passionate. Uh, I, I just know that he's going to do fantastic work here in Montreal, and I'm so excited for him. No, oh, I agree. Uh, give us the, give us some other thoughts on on our some of the other new coaches that we that well, obviously bringing back you know L, you know LBJ again and and, and we're talking about former Owls. You know, technically Jason Moss is a former Alouette. This is true. Technically, right. you know, two thousand seven. So um, you're absolutely right. He he is a former Alouette player, mm-hmm. and yes, now he's the head coach. It's mm-hmm. you're absolutely right. Uh, another hire that I'm very very happy about is uh, Corvey Irvin is now the defensive line coach. Uh, he also played for the Alouettes. Uh, he was only here for a couple of years, but uh, was a very solid addition. Uh, once, Much like Suddy, fell in love with the city of Montreal, uh, staying here year-round. Uh, he was even uh, with the Concordia University Stingers, uh, helping them out. Uh, you know, I guess just waiting for an opportunity like this, and I, I, I'm very excited for him. Uh, just a great dude. Uh, definitely knows his football as well. Uh, just a beast when it comes to the defensive line. And just when you think about the horses that are on this D-line already, and he too has to be just jacked at the prospect of being able to coach up these guys. And I'm excited. Again, I'm as, I'm as excited as I am for Suddy to be running back coach. I'm very excited for Corvey to be the defensive line coach. And I know he's just going to shine in this role. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's... Again, just a few tweaks here and there. I'm I'm pretty happy with what we currently have. So I mean, it's I'm not uh, I'm not much to complain because it's uh, these guys can guys can do their jobs and you know all I'm all for it. By the way, interesting change in the uh, in the football ops staff with uh, Allison Sobel being named the manager of football ops. I mean, to to be elevated from being uh, Alouette's administration and, and within the Alouette's administration and community relations departments the past two years, that's pretty damn cool. Yeah, I think uh, kind of following the footsteps of one uh, Catherine Reich. Mm-hmm. Uh, she kind of got her start uh, as an intern in the uh, the Alouette's organization, made her way all the way up to assistant general manager. And look where she is now in the NFL. Like She is very close to becoming a general manager in the National Football League. No so. kidding, eh? I have to wonder if uh, Allison Sobel has seen her career path and saying, you know what, I can do that too. And lo and behold, put in the time, uh, did the work, and uh, now manager of football operations for the Alouettes. That's that's pretty incredible. I mean, and that's uh, not necessarily replacing Eric Delorier because now he is the senior director of football operations slash player personnel. Uh, so if uh, I imagine now he'll be working hand-in-hand with uh, Allison and – you know, I think we already know what we can. We've come to expect from Eric Delory oh, as yeah. far as in a administrative role mm-hmm. and the players that he's been able to find and help maintain and retain their services. So, you know, as as they say, the rich get richer. So, I mean, now he's going to be given more responsibility, no doubt. And I have absolutely no doubt in my mind that uh, things are going to keep things are going to stay the course, if not get better, as it comes to. Uh, when it comes to like finding those uh, diamonds in the rough, those uh, next great Alouettes players that are going to replace the superstars that we ended up losing in free agency. Yep, sure. And you know what? With all honesty, Cliff, just the story alone itself, uh, have, maybe having Allison on just explaining her career path might be a, a very good interview for a future show. 
it could be. It could be. See, um, and that's that's what we're here, here folks. We, we we want to explore all the avenues for the Alouettes. We don't even want to just focus on players. I mean, yes, players, are, you know, it's definitely important to get their perspective on things. But we want you to understand and appreciate just how the entire team is run. That's why we want to have, like, guys on, like, Eric Delorier and Danny Machocha yeah. and so on and so forth. We want you to understand just how this entire team as a whole dynamic works. And that's our goal here is to help shed the light on things that you probably wouldn't necessarily thought of otherwise. I mean, it's cool to have players on. Don't get me wrong. We're always very excited to talk to players, but uh, you know, we, we see this team as a whole and a whole entity, and we want to understand all the parts that make this, this team run. So that's our goal this year is to really hope, hopefully help educate and make you folks understand kind of the inner workings of this franchise. This is one of the reasons why we had Danny Machocha on, because we wanted to understand his his feelings about free agency, how the whole process goes, and especially to given the major wrinkle that was kind of thrown in there with the, the ownership, you know, change, if you will. So mm-hmm. we were happy to get his perspectives on things, and we're very happy to bring that perspective for other members of the administrative organization here as well. Yeah, exactly. No, I completely agree with you, dude. Um Again, uh, a huge thank you to Danny Machoch for joining us on the show. Um, it again, it was well worth the well worth the extra week. Uh, but obviously, a we're getting that goal of two hundred shows. We're well on our way. Uh, I think uh, I, we had the right schedule that we wanted to. So give us anywhere between two to three weeks for our next show. Uh, we have a couple of things in in mind that we want to try to do, but we'll uh, we'll. Stay tuned to social media, right, Cliff? And uh, maybe we'll, we'll tease what we what we want to do in, for the upcoming shows. Yeah, I mean, let's not forget we've got the combine coming up uh, later this month. So, I mean, I'd like to shed a little bit of light on that if possible. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe have the, someone from the team on to kind of go through that process for fans that don't know what the combine's all about. I mean, is it really just a bunch of kids running around in their underwear trying to impress to get a, a job in football, or is there more to it? Let's uh, let's explore that a little bit, and then that will obviously lead into the draft. And then finally, after all these months of waiting, training camp is mm-hmm. on the horizon as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, now that we've pretty much now that I won't say the dust is completely settled on free agency. I mean, the team could still be bringing in a couple more players here and there, but. We know pretty much what to expect now this year. We've got a, a bit of an idea of what's to come for 2023. So it's now just a matter of, you know, we're, we're tired of you know playing games on paper. We, 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 we want to see some honest-to-goodness action. And that's going to come. It's just now, at this point, all we can do is just sort of speculate, play armchair GM. You know, is this move going to work? Who, who do we think is going to team up best as far as, uh, you know, as the, the depth chart goes and how the lineups uh, face off? Yeah. It, there's a lot to consider here. I mean, we have to remind ourselves, though, Tim, it's only March. I, mean, I know. I know. We're, we're close. We, we, the worst of it's over, I think. I mean, I think we, we've gotten through. Let's find out who season. the new owner is. That's the, to me, that's the next big step. Well, and hopefully that'll be sooner rather than later. But with that in mind, again, I, I cannot overstate the CFL truly, truly has to vet the next ownership group properly. Oh, I Don't agree. get dazzled. Don't, don't fall for, you know, the, the, the dog and pony show, you know. We just we just want some stability. Is that really so much to ask? No. 
Is that really so much to ask? I don't think so. Not at all. Not at all. We're hoping they bring you that information, and uh, obviously, when everybody when everybody else finds out about it, and uh, we're curious as much as everybody else is, obviously. So, uh, we'll be back very soon. Reach out to us on social media if you want to chat us up. Uh, we'd love to talk about uh, Alouette's football, anything CFL, or any, whatever topic comes across your mind. But uh, uh, we're more than welcome to chat with you guys over on so, on all of our socials. So uh, we'll be back soon. So for everybody here at the Alouette's Flight Deck for Cliffy D, I'm Tim Capper. One final approach. Thanks for listening. Find more great shows like this at CF Pod Network on Twitter.